Good evening. I thought we had one more verse. That was a long run. If you're a guest, we are glad that you're here. And if you would be open your Bibles to Colossians, the third chapter, and I'll catch my breath. We have so much to be thankful for. You know, I think back to last Sunday and Scholarship Sunday, and it absolutely was amazing. We have such talented young men and young women uh, that are part of this congregation. But last Sunday, we were able to see three young men and Chet Duke and Doug Ferguson and Alan Cantrell just preached three amazing lessons. And we're thankful for them. We're thankful for the life they're living. And we're thankful for even the potential that we see. And we give God all the glory for that. And, uh, and then also, I just think about the, the budget report that was given. And, and uh, I'm sure many of you thought the same thing I thought, is that we're thankful for Buddy Pickler. Uh, he does so much work uh, for the Lord's kingdom, but it blesses us tremendously as we try to work in the kingdom too. And uh, we appreciate that. And then also there's just that simple reminder uh, that I hope we never forget. And that is God is very good to us. Uh, God is very generous with us. And, and this isn't, I'm not saying this in relation to the budget at all. I'm saying this in relation to our spiritual life. I hope every one of us here are generous. We don't all give the same amount because we don't all make the same amount. But every one of us here can be sacrificial and generous in our giving back to God. And so um, I want to encourage you as, as you think about where you are spiritually and you think about spiritual growth, uh, one of the great things you can do is entrust what you have completely to God. And, uh, and, and that is a huge spiritual move to make uh, in your life. And I hope if you haven't done that, I hope you'll do that. And I know many of you are doing that and um, our giving is a reflection of that. If you're here this morning, you know that we read in Colossians, the third chapter in 18 about wives, 19 about husbands, 20 about children and 21 about fathers. But what we talked about was even though that was a brief text, that there were so many things in foundational and structural teachings that is for everyone that is a part of the kingdom, that if we understand these things, then when we study the specific roles, they make a little bit more Maybe that's not a good way to say it. I was going to say they make a little more sense, but they definitely have a lot more depth if we understand these things first. And you remember we started back this morning with that text in Colossians 1 and 13 and 14. We're either in the power of darkness or Jesus, because of his blood and his forgiveness, and then in Colossians 2, because we're willing to submit and come to him as he asks. Can he ask us to pass through the waters of baptism so that we can be raised? And as we're raised in the third chapter in verse one, you remember we seek those things which are above. How are you going to make decisions? Little, big, it doesn't matter. God wants us to allow him, the king, to reign in our life. And so we allow him to reign. We seek his way. And we have strong convictions about that. We set our mind on that. That's who we are. That's what we are going to do. We can join uh, Joshua. As for me and my house, we, are, we have our heart and our mind set upon this. And somebody says, why do you do that? Because Christ is our life and he's going to appear one day in our mind's eye. And by faith, we see Jesus coming again in his glorious appearance. And we know that his glory is going to be shared with us. And we're going to be able to have a glorious eternity with him. And that's what we long for. Now, because we are kingdom people, 
we can bring a ton of blessings into our family. And you remember this morning we mentioned that the verses below that were talking about the workplace, whether you're an employee or employer by application. He talks about servant and master. And so you see these specific roles are fulfilled in a much deeper way if we have these foundations. And so what I want you to see is the reason that we become a blessing to the people around us is because there are some things that we mortify. You know, it's interesting to think about putting something to death. That's strong language. You know, if, if, if you say, well, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of tired of our preacher. I'd prefer if you didn't put me to death. You know, maybe put me out back, send me down the road or something, but don't put me to death. But think about what's our approach to things that the Lord says, I want you to put this to death. What well, is our approach? Well, I'd prefer, Lord, not to put that to death. Can I just kind of put this off to the side and keep it secret so other people don't know about it? And therefore, I still have a good influence. It looks like my Christian light is really shining, but I've been able to hang on to some of the things I want to hang on to. And the Lord says, no, we're talking about kingdom living. If you want to live in the darkness, you stay in the darkness. But if you want to come over here, you allow me to reign. And there's some things that have to be put to death. Look with me, if you will, in the third chapter, let's read verse five. Third chapter, verse five. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. That's an interesting list where most of it is sensual in nature. And it's also interesting how in one sense you could go to where he says evil desires and you could work backward, if you will, and it kind of moves out into a broad funnel shape, if you will, starting at the narrow end of the funnel and going out to the wide scope of the funnel. And so the Lord says, now if we're jumping ahead, to husbands that are going to be kingdom people, wives that are going to be kingdom people, sons, daughters, parents. What are we going to be? Well, we're going to be people that have taken and put all these things to death. That's why we're a blessing. Look, we bring these things into our family. We have not become a blessing. We've become one that hurts and possibly even destroys. So let's define a few of these quickly, but notice there, evil desire. Think about other passages like 1 Peter. Think about God is holy. In darkness, there is not holiness. And there's that which defies or makes that which is holy impure. And so over here, we have holy desire over here, we have evil desire. A lot of the time, we would probably think about this evil desire very similar to lust. By definition, lust is sinful desire. And so he's starting out kind of with the mind and the heart, if we go backward here in order, and he's saying, I want you to mortify, I want you to put to death that desire that would be a desire for evil things. And then if we go back up one, he says, passion. I want you to mortify. I want you to put to death passion. What is passion? Passion is not just evil desire. The way it's used here, passion is an excitement for evil desire. So it's not just, hey, I was thinking about maybe tiptoeing out here in the world. It's like, hey, I'm ready to go. I want to be over here. Well, what's the next one? 
Once we have a desire and we grow excited about it, we start getting out into all kinds of uncleanness. Obviously, that's sin. Now, what is one particular uncleanness? Once we go into uncleanness enough, often enough, what's it probably going to lead to? If we don't check ourselves and we continue to do that, ultimately, he says, it's going to lead to fornication. I want you to put it to death. How do you put to death fornication? Stop it. Well, how do you keep from committing it again? Stop the uncleanness. How do you stop the uncleanness? Stop the excitement for doing evil. Well, how do you stop that? Stop the evil desire, period. Those things have to be mortified. And again, I just say to you, how blessed would your family be if everybody does that? How well do you do? Keep in mind, you're the only ones that can, can control your family. And I understand even in that, you're the only one of your family you can control. But I'm thinking about maybe a mom and a dad that are kind of on the same page and you're thinking about what culture do we want to create in our home? Do you really give your whole effort to make sure that the culture or the environment of your home is holy instead of unclean? What would that look like? Here's a good family that lives out in darkness. What would their standard of holiness be in their home? Well, it's going to be very different from kingdom people and their standard of holiness because it's of God. What kind of language is allowed? What kind of movies are allowed? What kind of dress is allowed? What kind, and you just go on and on. These are the things that if we are kingdom people, God is saying, this changes. This is a different way of life. But it's not just in those sensual sins, but notice he also says there's some other sins that have to be put off. Look at verse eight. But now you yourselves are to put off. And, and that's the language like you would take a garment off and, and, and totally displace it from yourself. Put off all these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. Now again, think about these. And I'm not saying necessarily they have to build upon each other. And, and I don't think they always do. But let's just for this lesson, let's think about it this way. Think about anger and wrath. What happens if you don't keep your anger in check? The sister epistle here says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath because you do not want to give a foothold for Satan. And so here the teaching in Colossians is, hey, you need to watch that. Why? Anger and wrath can very easily lead to malice. Think about maliciousness. Anger will lead us to say, I want to do malicious things towards that person. And oftentimes the way those malicious things may come out is through blasphemy. We blaspheme against God, but we also can slander and speak evil against other people. And then what happens if we do that? Well, we probably are going to find ourselves misusing our tongue in a lot of different areas. And it's like Paul just threw out two more and said, like the list before, filthy language. Or even your integrity, lying. Let's go back to application. You're a husband, you're a wife, you're a mother, your father, your son or daughter, whatever. Think about your role in the home or think about you as a worker or co-worker, supervisor, owner of a business. Think about your role. And what if every day from now 
until the Lord comes again. You go into work, you go into your home, and wrath and anger does not rule your decisions. You know, everybody has always said, you're short-tempered. You say, no, I put that off. I used to be short-tempered. But I did a lot of praying about that. I did a lot of disciplining myself, self-control. I did a ton of submitting to the Spirit of God on that. I'm not short-tempered anymore. Not because it's not my nature, but because I don't live by my nature anymore. Now, back to this morning's lesson, I seek the things that are above in everything. And so when I'm feeling angry, I seek what God's will is in it. What's going to happen? A lot of those things that we do that are malicious are not going to be happening anymore. Because we tend to do those more so whenever we're feeling that anger and that stress and that tension. And then when we're not feeling so angry and so malicious, we're not going to be spouting our mouth and hurting the people that we love so much. And it's going to be easier, hopefully, to control the filthy language or the lying. But the point is, no matter where the motive is and etc., the point is the Lord says we don't do these things because of where we live now. Where do we live? We live under the reign of the king. Sure, it was fine to do those things when you're in darkness so far as does the world care? No, the world expects it. But over here, that's not who we are. Remember Christ who is our life? Our life is all about Christ. Does Christ go around when he was on this earth? Did he go around in a rage of anger? Did he say malicious things? Did he lie? Did he have filthy jokes? We know the answer to that. Christ is our life. We're seeking to allow him to be the king of our life. And then there's some beautiful things we put on. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God... Holy and beloved. Now, the elect of God, you realize we're predestined people. And what is meant by that is not that you're predestined as an individual. It means that this plan we've been talking about this morning and tonight now, this plan of, is there a way predestined for people to leave the world? Absolutely. We studied that plan this morning. Anybody here can become a part of that plan and it works 100% of the time. Jesus is the Savior 100% of the time. God's grace has never failed anybody 100% of the time. And so he's talking to the elect. And isn't it interesting, he calls them what? Holy and beloved. You want to become a part of God's kingdom? The choice is 100% yours. And you know what you can become? Holy. Set apart from what? That darkness over there. Holy and this is beautiful. Beloved. God will love you. Christ will love you. The Spirit will love you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ will love you. The world can be a dark place. The world can be a place where you sometimes can feel like nobody loves you. And you know the truth is, there may not be many people in the world that love you. But over here in the kingdom, this place is filled with love. The one who reigns, he introduced his one, introduces himself one time to us in the scripture, God is love. We can be 
beloved. What are we going to do as beloved? Look at this beautiful list. It's just the opposite of put off. Here it's put on. Just like taking something that would not naturally be on us and say, I'm going to put that on. I'm going to put this coat on or this shirt on. All right, we're going to put on what? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Think about your family as, as we read this. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, this is our young lady serving Christ thing. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. God says, listen, by nature, you're not going to have these things. But since you become a part of the kingdom, you're going to be blessed with these. And these are going to help you be a blessing to others. When you go now into your family as a kingdom person, you're going to have tender mercy. In other words, somebody in your family can really, really hurt you. And instead of you coming back and demanding that they be put in your place, you can say, you know what? I can reach down to the, to the bowels of my compassion. And, 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 and I can just, instead of putting you in your place, I can have tender mercy and be kind to you. And you know, if you just left the world, you weren't like that in the world. There's going to be a wife saying to that husband, where did you come from? There's going to be kids saying to their parents, you guys used to not be like this before we became Christians. What's, what's happened here? Oh, we're completely different. Over here, there were all kinds of standards that we had. We looked at those this morning. But over here, we have the king. And our life is all about him, Christ, who is our life. But notice it's never going to happen. You see that third one? We just talked about tender mercy and kindness. But notice that third one. It can only happen through humility. Are you going to be really, really, really willing to come to the Lord? You say, Lord, I'm ready to live in a place. Are you ready for this? I'm ready to live in a place where it's not about me. I don't know how that strikes you. But for most of us, that's a pretty hard thing to get used to. But once we start growing spiritually, we realize how beautiful that life is. That's where true servanthood comes from. But over here, we're taught that it's always about us. That's why the pride of life is such a major challenge. We, we want to think it's always about us. And the Lord says, look, I came to this earth and I'm the Savior because I didn't make it about me. And anybody that wants to be about my kingdom, they've got to be willing to give it all up because it's not about them either. It's about us as a whole unit. It's not ever about one person. What kind of army you want to be a part of? You want to be an army where everybody's fighting on their own? Or you want to be an army where everybody's out there for all of us as one unit? Oh, you know the answer to that. So there has to be humility. But along that humility next, there has to be meekness. That being willing to hand over the reins of our life to God and say, you take control. But when we hand over those reins, we also got to be willing to suffer long. We're back very similar to that tender mercies there. Are we willing to be hurt and not seek vengeance, but instead turn the other cheek? He even says we're going to have to be willing to bear others' burdens. 
Why do you keep doing that for your husband? Don't you realize he's just using you? Why do you keep doing that for your wife? Why do you keep doing it? That's what the world would say. And kingdom people would say, I'm taught to bear one another's burdens. I'm even taught to forgive others. And my master said, if I have a complaint about it, come see him. And he says, let me remind you what I did for you. And then he puts the top on it and says, here's the greatest of all. Love. Nothing trumps love. What if a husband or a wife or a parent or a child, what if everything in their life is conducted under that umbrella of love? Love God with all your being. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're just not like this in darkness. But what a difference a family can be. What a difference a coworker can be. What a difference an owner of a business can be. If they come into that role, having first become someone, now listen to this, here's your whole Sunday morning and Sunday night. What if we come into that role and we say, Lord, I'm going to seek you in everything. I have set my mind on you. I'm convicted and I want to be ready when you come and I want to help everybody in my family be ready for that glorious time. Lord, I'm willing to take all these sensual things that the world tries to say, look how great this is, and I'm ready to mortify them. Lord, a lot of the time I struggle with anger, but I'm telling you I'm willing to put it to death, and by your grace and your strength, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready to do away with those malicious acts and those words that hurt. And Lord, I'm ready to take on a person I've never been before, but I'm going to take on you, your image. And Lord, I'm ready to start practicing tender mercy instead of saying everybody's got to get what they deserve. I'm ready to start going out and being kind. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to go home tonight and it's not going to be about me. I will humbly serve everybody in my family. I'll suffer long with them. I'll hand the reins over to you, God, however you want me to serve. I'll bear one another's burdens. I'll be the first one to forgive. And it's all because of love. You first loved me. You've taught me how to do it. I'm just going to do what you've already given me. You can't give away something you've never received. You've given it to me first, God, and now I'm going to give it away to others. And so let's close this lesson with this beautiful, beautiful point. We've made this point a while back, but I want you to notice this as we close. I purposefully skipped verse 10. Back up to verse 10. Still in the third chapter. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Remember we studied this morning, that's the way conversion takes place is first it has to be learned. Is renewed in knowledge because that will eventually convict the heart and that changes us. According to what? The image of him who created him. We want to become the new creation. Well, what does that new creation look like? It is in the image of him. He's already said back in verse four, Christ is who our life. And now he says, I want to be in the image of him. And remember, we talked about this in the past. Remember the Greek word for that? Icon. You want to be an icon 
of Christ. A blue W is not a Word document, but it'll take you to one, won't it? If you get the right color of letters and all and, and background that spells YouTube, it's not really YouTube, but you double click on it and it'll take you to YouTube. We are all familiar with icons. They look a whole lot like and they represent and they're a shortcut to get you there. Are you an image? Are you an icon of Jesus? Where if your family follows you, you're going to help them live for an eternity with God. What a blessing. Isn't that amazing? We've studied a lot of those 17 verses today. And we haven't yet studied 18, 19, 20, and 21, but we sure have learned a lot of things that a wife or a husband or a child or a parent ought to be as they approach that role that God has given them. Put in one nutshell... We all need to approach the various roles that God gives us in the image of Christ. And what a blessing we can be. Tonight, do you look a lot like the world? Or does your life truly reflect inside and out the image of Christ? If you can say right now, I don't reflect the image of Christ, I want to beg you to consider one thing as we're about to sing in just a moment. I want you to consider that one attribute of humility. That's what it takes to get over our self and to get away from that darkness is to be willing to humble ourselves at the feet of our Lord and say, I'm through with me. And now it's all about you. And when your desire to serve the Lord is greater than your desire to serve yourself, and when your desire to have God's grace to save you is greater than your embarrassment, you can't be stopped. Because the one who is for you is greater than anybody who's ever lived. So tonight, it's not really so much all that you can do. Tonight, it's can you give up and give over and submit yourself and say, God, I want you to do it. If you're ready to make that move and be immersed into Christ, or if you're ready to repent and confess sin and pray forgiveness, I want to beg you, don't let pride stop you from becoming the image of Christ.